This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Talking Devils, your favorite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton. I'm joined as always by Manchester United legend, Paul Parker to talk over. Well, I had to change my notes this week because it's been a good week for United. Um, we've won consecutive games for the first time. Oh, God, I don't even know how long. Um, I'm usually good with the stats. I did see that it's only happened a couple of times this year. So, um, yeah, for sure, um, a good week at United. If you're watching the video, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, feel free to get your questions and comments in. If you're watching the replay, do say hello. We still reply react to the comments. If you're listening back on the audio platforms, be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about Southampton. We're going to talk about Ten Hag's tactics, and we're going to talk about potential incomings and outgoings. But we should start with the news that um, United agreed a fee with um, Anthony of Ajax overnight, um, well, last night, um, to all accounts by all um, reputable sources. Um, the deal has been agreed and it's going to probably register as United's second highest transfer of all time. Um, an incredible amount of money to spend on a player um, from the Eredivisie. Who, um, but when you watch the player, when you see what a talent he is and you can see his potential, uh, it's one of those that could go either way. Yeah, obviously, United don't have, no, even the Premier League there's not a great track record in getting certified hits from the Dutch league, but he looks a real player, a real prospect. You look at him on the ball, you can see what he would bring and what United are missing and how the two um, seem to connect. He looks like a player who can entertain, who's going to get players off, uh, who's going to get fans off the edge of the seats. Uh, he looks like a bit of a difference maker. And obviously he's a player that Ten Hag has wanted chased through the summer. It is a lot of money. Players aren't responsible for that. He's going to be judged on it either way. Um, but in terms of pure talent, Paul, I mean, yeah, I guess he's one of those that not a lot of people would have seen a lot of, but those who have um, talked very highly of him, and the talk was that if you get him after the World Cup, the, the likelihood is that his price is going to go into north of 100 million euros. So, United have acted um, a bit like the Rooney deal. People might remember back in the day that um, transfer dragged on all summer and um, when Newcastle looked like they were going to get him. 
United had to pay a bit of a premium to get Rooney, but um, and probably around thirty percent more what Newcastle was when they got the deal done. Uh, I'm not saying that Anthony's going to turn out like Rooney, but that kind of fee you want in that kind of contribution or United career, aren't you? Really? Uh, where, where do you stand? I mean, you must see bits of him. Well, he's exciting to watch, obviously, and the big issue or the big question mark is whether or not that can translate into the Premier League. Um, which we've seen, obviously, has been a difficult transition for players from that from the Dutch league. Well, it's just first and foremost, Brazilian players have always struggled at United, haven't they? We've seen they haven't hasn't been that good on the South American Brazilian side of things. Now it's another another Brazilian Casemiro is one of them, but he's proven. So I think he'll be a revelation in that way. It'd be, it'd be something that United have missed for a long, long time, Casemiro, but. I've only seen montages, obviously, and I haven't seen anything, and I've only seen the montages since United got mentioned him. So to have a, a judgment on him is, <clears throat> I think I'd be, be like, I'd be sticking my neck out there, to be perfectly honest. If I did, I'd be taking a, a major punt. But what I have seen is ability with the ball. He typifies what I, I've always foreseen of a Brazilian footballer. Yeah. Bit, of a, bit of imagination and just improvise, which... <clears throat> Which is a bit like what Manchester United fans want to see. The ones who have been who've been around a while want to see that. They want that player, as you mentioned, to get them off their seat. Um, but when you talk about Manchester United sticking their necks out in the market, you look at Sancho, <laughs> you look at that one. That one hasn't come anywhere near the value. You look at Martial. Now, if that had come off and you look at what they spent and you turn around and say, wow, but it, that hasn't worked out because that was a lot of money at, at given time. And then you look at United in the marketplace, everyone knows now knows now that United will go the extra mile and pay more if they feel they have to get something because it has become a have to at this moment in time, the way things have worked out. But City set a precedence for themselves with um, Cucurella is that they turned around and said, we're not going to pay that. So what's happened now is that they've missed out on a very, very, very good left back. But everyone knows now that City set a line. So if you want to now try and play a game with City, people know who they're dealing with. They're not going to, and it could cost you money. That's the presence they've set down. They've set City while Manchester United still have his reputation now that they're going to pay over the top to get what they want. In certain ways, it's quite an, it's a, it's an all right way to be because it shows you your passion about getting a player. But in another way, you can end up sometimes... <laughs> as it has been proven, paying way over the odds to somebody and, you, and there's no return on investment after, i.e. Sancho. He's one that is just, there's nothing back for him now for what's been given and he has been a, a major disappointment and that's the reason why an Anthony is coming to Manchester United because you look at Sancho and you look at Alanga, a young boy who has not learnt anything. I think if he had learnt anything, he's been watching the wrong players because he's some of these reactions on the football field isn't right for a player who's come through the ranks. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one uh, for sure. Uh, difficult to call at this early stage before he's even kicked a ball for us. But um, yeah, like you said, he, he's certainly got the ability. You can see that it's whether or not um, it translates into to the English league. Uh, ben says, good morning. Uh, February was the last back-to-back league win. We're going to talk about Southampton in a second. Um, ben also says it looks like a, a player who likes to entertain. That's my kind of player. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, any 
compilation clip, obviously, is favourable to a player anyway. But, oh well, if you're watching the right ones, you can get some people who make them up. Um, poor performances for some reason. Um, but, yeah, he's... Um, his highlights clips have been good. And he was he was great for last season as well. Um, Rory says, Morning, guys. I think Anthony's someone that will please whoever is playing behind him at right back because his tracking back is better than anyone in those areas that he's currently in the squad. Yeah, that's a good call. And you know what? Perhaps Anthony would have benefited if he had a Paul Parker playing behind him. It's just my opinion. Well, you never know. Dallow played well on, on Saturday. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment. Um, so, yeah, that's Anthony. We... Looks like it's going to go ahead pretty swiftly now. You know, he obviously pushed for the move, and um, and you would imagine that that'll all be concluded like within forty eight hours. Um, we we should talk about Southampton. Paul one 0 United back to back wins, first time since February. Obviously, very rare occurrence this calendar year. The selection was as we sort of tipped it would be Casemiro on the bench, but otherwise unchanged. Um, difficult. It's like after the low maze parade, after you, you defeat Liverpool and you play well, what do you want to see next? And it's not necessarily a matter of, I mean, yeah, you'd want to see that intensity every week and, and you'd want to see that kind of passion and drive every week, but it's not an overnight change. It's going to be a gradual shift. And so really, if you're not open to see the intensity because you know it's unrealistic to match that because you're playing against Liverpool... You want to see more than what we've normally been seeing. You you want to see an improvement. And I think we did see that. You know, you can see the elements of where we're improving and you can see the elements of where we need to get to and we're not quite there. You know, we need to be assertive and controlling these kind of games and you can see we're not quite there yet. And part of the reason is because McTominay is not a play-building midfielder, so that play always has to start with the centre-backs. Um, it sometimes feels like the wrong, the, the right wide players are on the wrong sides of the pitch. Um, but you know, we won. Bruno scored a decent goal, it was a good goal. Tenog didn't rush the changes, and he might have been tempted to do that when you know, because the play was a, a little bit labored and it was starting to feel a little bit predictable. But we got the goal and then we controlled the game. And it, it, I'm not saying that we controlled it in. The manner that a Liverpool or a City would do, it wasn't that accomplished, but it was a massive move forward from two weeks ago, from three weeks ago. We were playing with a little more confidence and proactivity on the ball. You had one good moment for De Gea where he made a really smart reaction save. Martinez again was outstanding. Um, we'll talk about the tactics as well in a moment, but in terms of the performance, Paul, and in terms of getting the win over the line, what did you make of United's trip to Southampton? Well, I, I turned around and said after the um, win against Liverpool that the next game against Southampton, excuse me, <clears throat> is more important. It's going to be tougher. Yeah. And I think I think I was definitely right on the first bit and definitely right on the latter because it was more difficult because Southampton, as much as they'd lift their game for Manchester United, I think there was, they put more into it because Manchester United had just beaten Liverpool. The highlight was on Manchester United and Manchester United still are the biggest draw in the Premier League. You know, yeah. winning, losing, whatever. Everybody still wants to see them. You know, to look, look at them, look, watch them if they're, if they're having a miserable time, and if they're having a great time, they want to be there, hoping that their team can beat them. And going, going down to Southampton is just one of those games. There's something about it. Going there as a Manchester United player, and it's absolutely, you know, and it, they just lifted themselves because. 
And the bonus was, which I thought was great, that he kept the same team, which, you know, which obviously as a player lifts you. Certain players were kind of maybe thinking they was waiting to be left out, but they got their places. And all you've done then is that in that situation, you've seen the players who you know are the backbone of the team because their response to that game, while you're seeing some of the other players who reacted differently in, in, in that game against Southampton after, after the game against Liverpool. They didn't react maybe in what he was looking for. He mostly was looking for that little bit more from them in a game like that than maybe he was expecting against Liverpool. So I think everybody's got their idea of the players they know are the main stronghold of the team. And now they're looking at other players who they've seen over previous seasons, knowing that they're the ones now who are going to have to be changed over a duration of time. They've got to be changed for Manchester United to be proved to be to be proven as a side that can go and win a league title again. And and he has shown that. And I think he's the way he's gone about it and the way he's found it has <clears throat> been a difficult one. It's been a difficult road. He's had to go out <clears throat> and buy in. And it's his. And it seems like he's going to get Manchester United out of trouble because he's bringing in players who he knows. And sometimes that can be a wrong thing because, you know, you can bring in just, it could be like deemed a mate's thing. But I don't think it is because he wants to prove himself. So every player he does bring in, he's mostly going to believe in them or have to believe in them more than what he did before when he was managing them in Holland because if they, cause he's going to be judged on their performances as well. Yes, and as a manager, you are judged by your team and your individual's performances. But if those players are ones that have been in your little nursery and you bring them along with you to another football club, the fans are just sitting there. The um, certain element of a fan base will be just looking for those players to fail so they can absolutely ridicule that manager. And at the moment, they're not, it's not happening because you, you look at the players who are, working, who are working hard. You look at the players who are producing consistent performances the players that he knows yeah it's, yeah the, the theory is proven by Moyes and Fellaini isn't it you know he brought yeah. in Fellaini and he's judged by that um, quite significantly um, Mikel he's talking about Ante he says he's one of the few players definitely wanting to join potentially get benefits from playing with Fred and Casemiro in Brazil he's young he's got a high ceiling he knows the gaffer well and Mike says morning Mike hope you're well the best thing about the group for me was the resilience. Martinez and Malasia were good again. Both look promising. Varane, two games in a row. Can he make it three, four, and so on? Yeah. But, yeah, the, the defence was... Uh, I, I guess the key thing in the defence was um, Martinez. How quickly he's established himself as a leader. Um, he, he's so composed in that back line. Um, and, you know, yeah, you've had... Carragher, you've had Gabby Agbonlahor nailing the colours to massively on as far as, um, as as Martinez is concerned. They like they refuse to move from this. Yes, he had like a, a poor couple of games to start off with, but this was all to do with Ten Hag's introduction into the league as well. And the last couple of games, as he got used to the pace of it, he's sort of bossing that back line and he's commanding. He's been able to command it in a way that is to his own benefit which is the sign of a really strong defender, to, to be able to do that to improve the defence and to make sure that any shortcomings that he might have is already compensating for with his positioning. He, I mean, he's a, it's early days with everything, um, but he's looking like a seriously good addition to that back line, isn't he? Yes. I mean, I've done this. I mean, I've 
I've done it myself before. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kid myself. Otherwise, I'd be called a hypocrite. But sometimes, a certain player comes in, and you make your mind up. You go, no, 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 no. And if you've got enough about you, you're always willing to grab yourself a nice little triangle shape, shape, stainless steel little little thing, and you're going to. Someone's going. You're going to put it underneath a bit of cake, and someone's going to put it in front of you. It's called humble pie. That's what it's called. Eat a bit of humble pie. Maybe it's the thing you get as you're older that you suddenly you're willing to try a bit of humble pie and maybe address it with a little bit of cream and even put a cherry on top to show how much you how much you've made a fool of yourself. But certain certain players or certain players who become pundits or um, the opportunity to give an opinion, you know, to broadcast an opinion rather than saying it to their mates in the pub, all make a mistake. And you it's just about being brave enough to put your hand up and say, I got it wrong. First of all, the media didn't help. Um, I don't think Sky TV helped by coming out and questioning his eyes. I don't know how and why they went down that path. He's, yeah. five foot, he's five foot nine. You know, I can't remember ever there being a big, big thing about me being five foot seven. Maybe because the media then wasn't, wasn't as powerful, didn't have enough money at that time to be as powerful as Sky. They didn't go down that line. It's just that, oh, it's it not the normal size for and a half. And that was it. It was done. And that was, you know, when I signed for QPR. That's four years. But they made something of, of him, and you think, oh, okay. But no one wants to talk about him as a player. All, every, all I keep reading about is seeing his stats, which drive me mad stats. Jules won. And they're going five out of five. And you think to yourself, he only, won, he, only, he only had five duels in the game and he's a centre-half. I don't know, did United win 9-0 then? Were they playing against Bournemouth? Was it that easy? He's, and I don't know where these people sit up in the stand and I see them at games. And the thing about them is that when they're doing these stats, they don't actually watch the game, Wayne. Honestly, he's like sitting down. There might be half a dozen Bobby Crush. They're just like that, just doing that. And they don't watch a game to actually... They just might miss things. And their idea of a duel... It's completely different to what a football person's idea of a duel is, you know. And and one of the two that you mentioned earlier, I was talking about, oh, but he didn't jump for some of them. He didn't jump because he's used his common sense and said, I'm not going to win that one, but I'm going to sit back here because if he does win it, the ball can't go beyond me. If he does bring it down, I can go bang and get tight. That's been quite a, that's been a clever centre-half. I've been a clever footballer, defender. So he doesn't have to keep challenging and because if he keeps challenging and challenging, maybe up against even someone who's smaller than him, he's going to lo- he's going to lose some. And and that's and that's the way it works. See, you know, I played I played in that position for four years at Rangers as a as a re- as a regular in the middle, three years at Fulham, and there were and I won a lot of balls and the people were shocked, but I didn't choose to keep jumping. So when I was up against Graham Sharp, I didn't decide that every time the ball was in the air, I was going to go out and jump against Graham Sharp because Graham Sharp was six foot two plus. But I yeah. jumped for the ones where I believed I could win because I got that run. I got that run on him, and he was a little bit. So he's about playing with your brains, and that's the reason why he can go and play in there. And then you look at him as a footballer as well. He's a fantastic passer, and one of the reasons why United look a better team going forwards is because as soon as that ball gets on his left side, he can see a pass early because he's confident on that side of his body. 
where yeah. before it didn't work with Harry Maguire. God knows where this idea come from of him being a left-hand side. If it was his idea, it was stupid. If it was Ollie's idea, it was stupid. If it was Rangnick's idea, it was just plain stupid, really, to do it. Because even I've been saying it, that he could not play off his left side because he could not and had no belief in his left foot. Steve Bruce did it for all of his career at Manchester United because he believed in his left foot. And he, yeah. had, ability, he had ability on the ball to get himself out of trouble. Harry Maguire had neither, but yet he was something else. And this lad has come in and he's been incredible. In- incredible as a defender, what he can do with a football and what he, what he does with his head when he's defending. He's everything that you want in a defender. And just to, he's so tenacious when he gets, he doesn't allow anybody to breathe, to lift their heads. The left side now is sewing up. It's not a problem area anymore to, the left side is as good as it's ever been for Manchester United. People will make comparisons that sometimes as the season goes on and Touchwood United keep going in the fashion they're going. There's going to be a few ups and downs, but they're going to be a lot less than what they have been over previous seasons. But the left side is as strong as I've seen it since I, since, since I left Manchester United. Yeah, it's a really, really good area. I would, I would sort of... Temper that and say it's as strong as we've seen it since Vidic and everywhere there. So since the Ferguson, mm. for sure, it's, it's really there's a really strong impact there. Um, ben says there is a value in stats, but so many see them as objective facts and they're meaningless without the context of the game. Yeah, I think it's also the, the terminology of some stuff, you know, like when there's the intro, like in intellectualization of the game, where they say like, oh, the vertical and horizontal passing, it just Play, they're playing it forward. They're playing it more forward. They're not retaining the ball. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And when when they do use a difference in, in the different language to describe it, it's like one value of the description is greater than the other, and it's not that they mean the same thing. Well, I heard one the other day, Wayne. I won't say who it was, but I was just watching the game, the early game. Was was it the early game? It was. It was the United game, and it was said this game is gonna is gonna be won by transitions. And I'm just sitting there, and you know when I just I just wanted people around me to ask them the questions. How is it how do you win a game by how which team which team has got the better transition is going to win this game? I don't know. I really I, honestly I'm sitting I'm I'm baffled. What people just want to use the biggest words and use words that have got nothing to do with football and trying to bring it in. And football is still one of those games, the biggest and the best game in the world, because it's, it's relatively easy and it's about individuals and it's about a team. But people are trying to make it into something now. I mean, I think they're trying to turn it into like American football now. And there's all these different things. And when someone keeps saying, well, he, he broke through that line, no, he ran past the midfield player. Yeah. And, you know, and things like that. And, Cool, this team is the one now. Everyone wants to use the word press, and I'm kind of going, it's closing down. Football was before 1992. People closed down then, and they're still closing down now. In the 1800s, they were closing down as they are still now in the 2000s plus. They're still doing it, and we're making the game so complicated now, and people are talking, talking to sound like they know football. And when I hear people talking like that, 
I'll switch off because they're reading too many books and they're playing too much FIFA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, morning. How are you doing? Hope you're all right. Ben asks a good question. Which player did you get it wrong with, Paul? And I, re I remember one thing on this podcast, for sure, we talked about Lindelof. Didn't we? I remember talking about Lindelof and we'd both written him off and he came back and he was probably our strongest defender last season. And We were... I'm not saying it was a high bar last season for sure. Certainly not higher than Lissandro Martinez. Um, but uh, um, we both had our fair share of humble pie with that one. Is there any other players you can imagine? No, no. My ego, my ego, I won't let me do that. No chance. Um, no, see, I can only go as recent because I think I'm getting old and old, and you suddenly things disappear. But I would, oh, Lindelof is a is a great shout on that one. But I think now, if Lindelof was to play next to Martinez, if at some time Varane was to get injured, I think I don't think you'd miss much. I really don't. Just just the way he is, and it might he'd feel more comfortable because he knows what Martinez is going to do next. Yeah, you know he knows that, and he'd want to play. And now <clears throat> we just mentioned earlier talking about Varane two games in a row. Let's see how many games he does play now. Let's just see, was it was it about the company he was keeping in that back line wasn't really what he was comfortable with and how much, and go the other side of it. Now he's playing against a mini warrior, playing with a mini warrior rather than a, a giant of a warrior. Is he, is he happy with that? Because he's got someone who puts that front, who puts his front foot forward and steps into things, leaving him the, the side of almost becoming a cent or being a centre half comes sweeper just in behind him in case there's something you know something that he misses he gets played around and that belief that he's got a right back next to him who knows about like a string being attached to Varane the moment he moves left the fullback moves left so Varane is the focal point of this how many games does he play now compared to how many games he played before it's not great on his part if it was that but in today's football, nothing should surprise you really with players in that sense. But maybe he just felt, I'm not happy playing here. This is mug using my words, not his words. This is mugging me off as a footballer. I don't want to play in this back four. because I, I don't like him. I'm, I'm exposed. I'm, I can't do what I'm good at. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a good show. Um, Mike says, Paul is right. As Shankly said, football is a simple game complicated <coughs> by idiots. Yeah, I, I mean, look, there, there's space for everything. There's definitely space for everything. I think it's just the the way that so there's a patronisation and, and condescending tone from those who use different language, and it's like, no, the game's still the game. Anyway, let, let's talk about tactics in the way that we're going to talk about them, not in any great detail for, for this episode, but interesting enough because Tenog has definitely adapted what he started doing with, you know, he's obviously playing longer from the back, He's trying to get behind the defences, which he's saying, all right, he's understood his, his team's strengths and weaknesses. But eventually, Paul, you would imagine he wants to avoid the way that he play. And the players that he's bringing in on a step-by-step -step basis are, are more conducive to that style of play. I think what we all want to see is sort of, you know, form players, supporters for sure. We want to see the quality of performances improving. Now, I can remember when Van Gaal came in, and once he'd get the confidence up after a run of good results, he'd try to switch the um, formation again. Basically trying to make players square pegs in round holes kind of thing. 
we all remember the start under Oli, where it was a great run of results, but the actual <coughs> level of performances, the quality of them, they weren't coinciding. The, the run of quality performances was maybe three or four games, and the unbeaten run was like something like 18 or 19, but the, the, the actual quality of performances wasn't wasn't great so it's really going to be interesting isn't it Paul to see like this next few games and we'll talk about Arsenal and Leicester in detail in a second but over the next few weeks to see how Tenor first of all deals with his system if this is the system he's going to go with if he deals with the approach if he tries to say all right well let's try and play from the back now in this game you know what I mean try and give them confidence to do that or whether he just recognizes what the team are good at and doesn't try to mess with that I mean the changes that he's going to make in the next couple of games, you're going to see Casemiro come in. You're going to see Anthony come in on that, on that right-hand side, you presume. So do you think that he's going to try and move back to, to what he wants to do over the season? Or do you think that he's sort of seen the qualities of the squad and he's gone, do you know what, this is where we're, we're going to have to deal with it this way for, for maybe the season? I think he's, I think he's quite clever in what he's thinking. And I think he'd look at the strength he's got and not try and go too deep and overplay at the back until he's got his right until he's got his right place. I think Casemiro going in now would definitely help that because he'll be quite happy to get the ball in the back line, and yeah. he knows what he's going to do with it next, and it'll be something positive rather yeah. than rather than too many touches and going square. Um, I think it will help the ball retention with having Casemiro in there because he'll give him another option. And the moment you get someone like Casemiro, it's amazing how things work. As a player, straight away, you you should be thinking, he's too good, can't let him get the ball. But the problem is, the moment he gets that first good touch out of his body, your next objective is to suddenly go, right, don't go too close because he'll mug you. It's a bit like when people talk about Glenn Hoddle and even Teddy, all all the great players. Look how much space he's got. Look at the time he's got the... Good of the space he's found. No, it's about people. If they know they can't get to him and get close before he gets that touch, they don't want to get close because they do not want to be passed around. They do not want to be. They do not want to be nutmegged if they get too close and hit him. Try and hit him at the same time as the ball's arriving because you could get played around the side, the other side, or nutmegs. So those players earn the right for that space. It's like virtually. I've worked hard for this. I've got five Champions League medals. I've won so many La Ligas. This is my territory. And you earn it. It's a respect thing. So Casemiro will gain that little bit and that will only help United, especially with an Ericsson mid- in midfield <coughs> as well. That definitely really helps it. With Fernandes in now, God knows what's going to happen next in now. I don't know. He's, he's running around like a raggy doll at the moment in time, isn't he? But I look at the way they're playing and I would say he'll keep tweaking it and tweaking it as while he's getting his own players in. And his own players, the ones that he knows, who know all about him, will encourage the ones, the players who were there already, I mean, the ones who were pre-Ten Hag, to give them the, the option whether or not they're in or out. Yeah. You know, it's up to them. If they want to sulk in the training, in the, in the, dressing, in the dressing room at Carrington and say things about the manager... It's up to them. And those that the players who have come in will just kind of go bang and they say, it's not affecting us. If, you know, if we've got anything personal from what we knew before, it's fine. We just respect him as a coach. 
and that is it. And those players will go that way, and it will drag the good ones, the good pros, will go with the collective who have just come in. The bad yeah. ones will stay out of it and become a little bit bitter. That's, gen- that's general life, not just in football, that's in anywhere. That's the way things will work out. So he definitely will go forward. This, this looks more positive to me than what it has been in a long, long while, just by the football. And one of the things as well is, and I've always been saying it, and people have always, always questioned me, but it's a fact Sir Alex was about, first and foremost, winning games of football. You had to win games. But more, but just as important was was the manner in which you won it in. The performance was key as well. It was key to confidence as a player. When you when you played and you you've had a good win, you haven't been back. That's why the Liverpool game was so good, because of the fact of the manner in which they played and the way they beat Liverpool. If they had ten men behind the ball, scored one, and just sat back, gung ho. De Gea was man of the match again. United fans would have gone great, but then they'd have woken up the next morning, Tuesday morning, and gone. They're still so much better than what we than what we are. We we was yes, he'd done great, but and there still would have been that those doubts, and the, there would have been bigger doubts about going down to play Southampton. Yeah. But the manner, but that performance against Liverpool, the winning the performance going down to Southampton, I can imagine everyone was on a high. Yeah. Because of the performance. And that's why Sir Alex has always been about performance. Win games with a performance, as he always said, that befitted the football club. Yeah. And there's many yeah. games we many games I've won with him and and we come out the dressing room after and you kind of walk in away and you'd walk in a lounge in the lounge and I think some people thought we'd lost. Because he went he would go absolutely mad, especially if it was at OT, he'd go mad because of the way we performed. Yeah. If we were t- got too arrogant, we took it too easy, we allowed this, we allowed that. We got a rollicking in a pre-season game in Southampton. It was a, Southampton, sorry, South Africa, in the pre-season 93-94 season. It was, it was 75 degrees. It was like in their winter time. Yeah. Um, we was up against um, Orlando Pirates in, in, at Ellis Park, and it was quite warm and humid. So we're letting them have the ball, and all they want to do is tricks. They were doing unbelievable tricks. They had someone in midfield called Doctor Somebody, and he was just doing tricks. None of us were near him. We couldn't get, we couldn't go that close because it made us to work so hard. You'd be, you'd be sweating ridiculously. But we'd let them have the ball, and we're just going bang, bang, and counterattacking them and scoring. And he coming out, and he's going mad at us, saying we didn't work hard enough. We, you know, you won the game. You should have been doing this. Should do. You should have been proving to me you're Manchester United. We did. We kind of we beat them, but that's the way. That's the way he was, and I think Ten Hag is very much. And the way we talk about and we believe in Dutch coaches is a way. You know, we've got so much respect for them because the player, the Dutch footballers over the years who have played in the Premier League, played in played in world football. You know, when you when we talk about AC Milan with Hullet, Van Basten, and Rijkaard, so many great Dutch players. So I think he, he's in that mindset as well, but he will try, and with Anthony as well coming, entertainment is key. Yeah. And, and winning games. Winning games. Yeah. You know, well, so... The signing of Anthony is a big um, barometer of that, a big indicator, because if any... I mean, you only have to watch the highlights clips to know that he's an entertainer, that he's going to do unpredictable things. So he's amazing. Like, you can tell straight away that that's a massive deviation from... Van Gaal's style of football because he wouldn't have had a player like Anthony in his team because it's too much of a live wire. So 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does that. But he, uh, every, even in the defeats early in the season, even against Brighton, even against Brentford, you can see that he's making proactive changes. Yeah, all right, he got the starting selections wrong, but he's new to the league. He's going to those kind of hiccups are going to happen. He's going to say, "All right, I haven't seen this team play before, or if I have seen them play, I wasn't truly appreciating that they've got better strengths than us in certain areas." So I, yeah. you know, it changed. And there's always been improvements in all the changes. We were a little bit better after, you know, after the break against Brighton. We were definitely better after the break against Brentford. Once you have to analyze it, and obviously you've seen better results and performances against Liverpool and Southampton. So it's going to be, um, yeah, moving forward. So a couple of comments. Then. Rory says, with Varane, is it not just important, just as important the training schedule he's got? He's injury prone. If he's made to do the same training as everyone else, he'll pick up niggles as Van Persie did under Moyes Van Gogh. Yeah, absolutely. It could be that. I think um, it's a great part. I think Paul made it on last week's podcast as well. You know, like great players, um, great players, when they're playing well, the injuries don't seem to bother them so much. Someone had said something about, like off of Fergie's, like that your squad was like, Injured off the time, you know, you've talked about the injury problems that you had at the end of the 93 94 season, and you need an operation, but you still carried on playing through it because you wanted to be a part of it. And you're probably going to see that shifting attitude. Well, hopefully, you're going to see that because that's going to be one of the main factors players playing through stuff. Uh, Richard says our defense is looking so much better now. Ben says on Bruno, I notice he's staying on the floor as much as he normally does. Does ten hour got a word perhaps? Yeah, it could be. It could be the last couple of games there has been a shift in that, but with everything, baby steps. We don't know what we were analyzing two games and it's such a small sample size, you know. Obviously we'll see Leicester and Arsenal this week and um more more prolonged pronounced periods of um time where we can see if Tenag is having this change that we hope that he has. But on the Arsenal one, why not? Might have jumped a bit. That'd be that'd be the biggest test for the defence because Arsenal's strength is coming from wide areas, especially yeah, especially, sure, yeah. especially especially off the left hand side. A lot of it is coming off that side, so it'd be, be interesting just to see because they've been getting getting in behind a lot. That's what, especially with um, Jesus there as well. Been getting in behind, and he's on that left hand side. How many times he gets to the byline with the ball at his feet is incredible. No different to our Man City play. So that's going to be a test. And that's why the other two people who have been having a go at Mar- about Martinez, <clears throat> what the, the things that they should be saying is, after everything they go, but Manchester United's defence looks better at this moment in time. Now, if they were to finish off like that, then maybe people would stop questioning why do they keep on about an individual all the time. Yeah. That's the one That's the one thing I've seen already. <clears throat> the defence is better. The midfield is more fluid. And all this, And the only thing that's looking a little bit shy at the moment is what's happening up front. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, great, that's a great start because before, a few weeks back, I'm looking at all three areas and going, oh, no, it's gonna, I'm seeing it all over again. I'm seeing misery every Monday morning, every time... I, Wayne says me through a message, am I ready? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll talk about Leicester and Arsenal in a moment um, in more detail. Just to clock off the transfers, because it's going to be transfer deadline week, uh, tra- transfer deadline day this week. Um, two players that are still being talked about, even though the, the window's rapidly 
um, approaching its climax. First is Ronaldo. Um, the talk is Napoli or Sporting Lisbon, but Sporting Lisbon's coach seemed to sort of distance himself, like saying he didn't want that move. Napoli have been, looks like they're a little, a little bit more receptive to it, but whether or not that's going to accelerate. Um, they're talking about possible exchanges, and you just don't know until everything that could have been said about Ronaldo this summer has been said about <coughs> destinations where he's going to go to Atletico Madrid at some point, he was going to go to Chelsea at some point, he was going to replace Lewandowski at Bayern, he was even going to be Ronaldo, uh, Lewandowski's replacement at Barca if they couldn't get him. All these kind of things were mentioned. He could go back to Real Madrid and obviously none of these things have happened. Um, it looks like United are much more fluid without him and Oh God, I, I ain't saying it about Ronaldo, but when he came on it, towards the end of the game, he was even behind the pace for late of the game counter-attacks, which you would have thought he still got a little bit of burst in him, but he seemed even slow to that. And maybe that could be to do with his lack of conditioning because he missed a lot of pre-season, but I think that's very generous considering the condition that he keeps himself in. So, um, a very quick one, Paul. I know we've talked about Ronaldo through the summer. <coughs> But very, very, very briefly on him, do you think that he will still be a United player by the time we do our podcast? I hope not. I really do hope not, because that's going to make it so, so difficult on the players, have him around, and it's going to make it very difficult on the manager, because if he gets caught too short, he's going to have to bypass him, because like you mentioned, he can't do what he wants him to do. And it's going to be very, it's going to be tough on the club. The club don't need him sitting back because he won't be earning them any money because he was brought in as a marketing tool and that bit now is drying up because he's not playing, he's not, everything is saying it's going to be, it'll be wrong for him, for the club, for him to be there after the 1st of September. I think he's going to have to buy himself out. If he's got anything about himself and he's respectful of everything, he's got to buy himself out of his contract. That's what he's got to do. He's got to negotiate with the club. His man's got to negotiate. <clears throat> and he's got, to, he's, got to, he's got to do that to help himself maybe get another club. That's, that's, what he, that's what he's got. That's what I think he's got to do. And it's given time. He doesn't really want his career tarnished in this situation. He doesn't want it to be, you know, prolonging like this for too long because it, it totally kills everything or what he's worked hard for. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's got to try and make it as easy as possible. And the easiest way is... To buy himself out of his contract, I think really. That's yeah. that's, that's and if, we know he's got the money to do that. The ordinary player, no, but he can go and do that, and it won't affect him. But it would help the club, and more importantly, that it would help his brand as well. Going to Napoli, they, they love a hero down down there, don't they? I don't know if he wants to go and live and go down there and live in the south. I don't know. So um. But if that's there, but as we know, it's been a, there's been a lot of noise, and when it happens, there's, there's been nothing there for it. It's about who wants to take on everything that goes with Ronaldo, because you know that you have to change the way you play. Yeah, it's going to it's definitely going to be an interesting thing. Ben says, send Ronaldo some of the humble pie. Um, probably wouldn't eat it, wouldn't fit in with his diet plan. Um, Richard says, I said we need a new captain on the channel a few weeks ago. Bruno is doing a decent job. Give him the season, see how he does. No way. Can Maguire return now? No chance. Yeah, I think I still think the captaincy. I think Tenog is one of his wiser decisions not to sort of make a, a statement on that, just to let it happen. 
don't do anything politically that you don't need to do. You've got a lot of stuff that he needs to get through, and you sort of navigate those potential landmines in the best way that you can. So I think he's doing a great job on all fronts with that so far. Um, the other one is Frankie de Jong, Paul. The kind of talk has dried up about him mostly, and said, oh, Casemiro's come in, blah, blah, blah. There are some whispers that United still have the interest because it's still a primary target for for um, the manager, and he's not started the season for Barcelona. He's been on the bench. They don't. They've been able to register all the players, so they don't have a problem there. You know, they you know they've managed to pull all these magic levers and uh, sort of all the players there. But the the young situation is still not really clear because he's not playing for them. He's not. Because a player like that should be in the Barcelona midfield, he should be there, the center, um, the central, the player that they build around basically because he's like good, but he's not there, he's not in the team. It seems like they're still trying to move him on. United's literally the strongest destination for him because if it wasn't, you know, if he was linked with Chelsea and Chelsea wanted him, Chelsea could have got him. If he was linked with any that Bayern was linked with him earlier in the season, but it looks like that they've done all their their um summer transfers because of actually been quite busy so do you I mean you wonder how United were able to present the kind of financial deal to Ajax and I guess we're only going to get these answers to these questions after the deadline's gone where this money's coming from for like the likes of Anthony but you wonder if United might be able to present a deal to Barcelona you know with less up front and more staggered payments over the duration of a transfer because obviously that would appeal to them in their financial situation to get lump sums at different points rather than gambling with the club's future. I'm not saying that I expect it to happen, but I mean, stranger things have happened, haven't they, really? It could still come off theoretically. Yeah, Yeah, I suppose it could do, really. Maybe could do a deal with Barca and kind of say, let's do this and do it in good faith, a bit like De Jong done with them, and then turn around and say, no, we're not going to do that after. (laughs) Because <laughs> they can't say anything, can they, really? Christ, or, you know, I think the word hypocrites would come out if they did. But I'm, I'm sure the longer it's left and how close it's getting, they need something back or they need something to go maybe to the bank with. If they've got, you know, like, say, little snatches of money coming in over over certain amounts of time, that will help them over, over the duration of the season just to show the bank what they've got coming in. But I'm sure, I mean, my way of thinking is that United are just leaving it as late as possible because the longer, you know, getting closer and closer and deals aren't done in an hour and a half anymore or by fax. So um, I just wonder, that's the way they're going to go and leave it to the last to the last minute just to, just to test out the resolve of Barca and see how they're going to be. Because I'm sure that Xavi wants something. He must want something he wants to work with rather than the player he doesn't want to work with and... Maybe it's not about the player. De Jong mostly isn't the player who doesn't want to work with, just the player that he, he can't work with because the club, the club football club, wants him out financially, not as a footballer. So um, there is some, there'd be something there. And if they were to get De Jong and maybe A another, then he's at the best summer window of any, man, of any Manchester United manager since Sir Alex retired. <clears throat> if you look oh, at yeah. the. the the quality at a given time of the players who have come in, you know, it's been good. I mean, I, whoops, I don't know where I was going there. Um, I say at the moment, I'm not critical of anything that's come in where before you're kind of asking questions, really, why? And well, this, At the moment, it, it's not that bad because the players 
of a good age as well, rather than being too old. So there, so it's shown there is a little bit of a future there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's it's a really strange one with the young um, that they that it's been pushed to to this limit by Barcelona, really, because they could have had this deal um, dealt with a long time ago. And Ben says calling their bluff, I guess, possibly. Um, but I, I still like the way that we've, we've... I know, yeah, people are going to have a pop at the, the people above um, Tenog, but I think they obviously had the 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 young transfers as the central plan for the summer, and once they didn't have that, they've acted fairly swiftly to do all this other stuff. Um, ben, yeah, he says, why have we waited until the season started, though? I'll never understand United recruitment. I just think maybe it's just... That's the way that the transfer window, like because it, that's the way that it affects transfer business now. They don't look at it as the start of the season. They look at it as September the 1st. You know, that's the time that they've got to conclude the transfers. I don't understand it myself. I'm in the same position as you. It'd be great if all the players were there to go on the pre-season tour and that they were all at this time to be bedded in. And we can tell from the way that Tenog deals with things that that would be more beneficial to the way that he does his business because... You see the the products of familiarity. He knows his squad. He knows what they're capable of. All that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, you know, we're gonna know for sure, aren't we, in three days? And then all the stories about what happened will probably come out after that, um, like they usually do to entertain us through the first international window um, when that happens. So let's talk about the, the games this week, Paul. Um, over the next week, United play. They travel to the team who are currently bottom, and then they host the team who are currently top. The first game is at Leicester on Thursday night, a classic Thursday night football, getting used to that this season. Um, very <coughs> difficult time for them at the moment, tough start to the season. Um, a couple of tough games, obviously, they've played Arsenal, they've played um, Chelsea as well. But it doesn't lend into the idea that Brendan Rodgers' magic has worn off. He's one of the favourites for the sack, the bottom of the table. It's a good time for United to go go there because you know Rogers' style of management is very much based on momentum and confidence. So to, I know they will be looking at United and say, "No, that's a good time to build confidence and turn it around." But it, I mean, if you're going to pick a time to go and play Leicester, pick them when they're in this kind of mood, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, <clears throat> Brendan Rogers. I don't know what's happened there. They seems like they're saying he, he's um he hasn't got any money to spend. This was, I think he was, they said he was told he had money, but seems like he hasn't. But he's, you know, he's just one of those managers that has always, the press have always tried to get him the best jobs, tried to get him the England job, tried to get him always get the best jobs. But for me, he just always seems to want to mess about too much. He, he doesn't believe in continuity in the team. He keeps wanting to swap about. He's done it in Europe so many times and he put Leicester out of Europa League on a couple of occasions by mucking about not having enough respect for who they're up against in Europe. And you can't treat Europe, you can't treat any game in Europe as an easy game. It's impossible to do that. And he's gone along those lines. And now you find out how strong they are in the dressing room, Leicester. And if United were to go and score early, get themselves in front, you'll find out a lot about Leicester. And now the the young Leicester Fafana, he wants to go. And you just wonder how many other players are like that now. Um, Vardy signed a new contract. That's, you know, that was their big story. But when you look at everything, you know, it's not as if Vardy's 25, 26. So that's not going to lift, that's not going to lift 
a lot of people on that side of it. Great that someone who's been maybe one of their greatest players is staying, but that's not that's not a problem. You know, it's not enough to keep lifting and thinking you've got a lot got a lot to build on. Yeah, in, in the way that you would be saying Vardy's replacement would lift <laughs> lift them. That's what they should be looking mm. at. But yeah, it's. Yeah, it's it's going to be a thing. We already you talk, touched on Arsenal earlier about the you know the the danger going forward, and they certainly look very slick going forward. Uh, Odegaard and um, is who's just he settled into life there brilliantly, and they've got to he's fitted into that system. Obviously, Bissaka plays the same kind of football that they want to play at City, so being the main man there is obviously going to flourish in that, and they, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They weren't great against Fulham. They definitely, you know, it was a bit um, dodgy for a while there. Um, I thought Fulham, I didn't think they were great themselves, but they applied themselves, got the, the goal, and you thought, oh, you know what, they might hold out here the way that they were playing. Um, but then again, you say, Arsenal showed character that they might not have shown in previous seasons to come back and win the way that they did. Um, so it's going to be, a, obviously, a tough task, that goes without saying. But really, maybe a good time for United to have that after, you know, after the difficult start that they've had to come up against a team like Arsenal, you know, who've had the first little tough test. We don't know what their performance is going to be like on on Thursday. I'm pre- presuming that they're playing away. I don't even know who they're playing between what, what our game. But you know, obviously something could have changed by by then in, in their own form. You know, um, they've obviously started the season really well. They're, they're full of confidence. So you would kind of say it's a bad time to play them as, as opposed to the good time that it is to play Leicester, but also a good test for us at the same time because of the way that we're, we're playing as well. I think the fact of going to play against them with what seems like building towards a, a decent back four, I think makes a big difference. That helps, especially because their start of the season is built around one player who got let who got let. So cheap, let go. So cheaply, it's ridiculous how much he cost Arsenal. <clears throat> I don't know how. I don't know if that is because of the Arteta relationship with Pep and all that. But I mean, that was a, a bargain buy. You can see that already. That's that is going towards a bargain buy already. Bringing Andrzej in, and he's made such a difference. So it's that one player element that's made a difference from last season. So going into the game, I, I think it's a it is a good time to play him. Um, Hopefully United keep going as they are before they, you know, go to Leicester and get something, a result and a performance. And then going into that game, it just makes it's for me it's absolutely perfect. It's the time when you're feeling quite good about yourselves and you've got a, a playing against one of the bigger bigger boys and you've got them at home as well. This time of the year, it's absolutely perfect, I think, Wayne, to to be playing against them. If you've been talking about playing Arsenal after the Brentford game, you know, it would have been it would have been panic mode. Absolute yeah. panic mode. But now, after a few little tweaks, it's, it's a different feeling to be going to play against Arsenal. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll be back to talk about that and the Leicester game next week and the conclusion of the, the transfer window. So it'll be an eventful pod, whatever happens next week. Hopefully, we'll carry on the winning streaks. Two, two podcasts in a row where we've talked about a United win, which is uh, very refreshing. Um, I know we're spoiled. We're spoiled with United, but that um, has been a very pleasant change. See that, it'll be good to see as well. 
the the end of the transfer window to be honest because it's been a bit of a laborious one and a lot of controversy with the ins and outs so it'd be good to sort of have some kind of definite statement on the way that United are moving forward because even even though it seems as stable as it has been this still does elements of instability that need to be um, ironed out for Ten Hag and yeah, we'll see what the next few days um, brings and we'll be back next week to talk about it if you've enjoyed the pod give us a like and a subscribe subscription on, on YouTube Jump in the comment section and um, say hello if you're watching on the um, on the replay. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.